We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. There's something your mother and I need to tell you, son. I'm a leprechaun, Kyle. Huh. Mom? I know it's hard to believe, Kyle. I mean, when I first met your mother, You're I... not a leprechaun, too. No, no. I'm from Cleveland. Oh. We'd have told you sooner, Kyle, but we wanted you to grow up like a normal American boy. Oh. But then when I started to have this wee little spell... Mom, you're a foot tall. Oh, it could be worse, believe me. It's probably just an allergic reaction. Boiled potatoes, something like that. Yeah. I don't think you have any reason to worry. What? Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Week three of DCOM December, we're past the halfway point, and this week's Disney Channel original movie is Luck of the Irish, which has actually aged really well in terms of a rewatch on Disney+. I was very fortunate to be joined by Whitney McIntosh. She's an editor over at MLB.com, and Whitney was a great guest to have on for this movie, not only because she's really dialed into sports and pop culture, but she also has experience in the Irish dancing featured in the movie. I can't really imagine a more ideal guest. That was quite the get, if I do say so myself. Um, there's a little echo in the sound. We had some internet delay issues. I will always place those squarely on the blame of my service provider. They are the worst. But uh, yeah, I tried to clean up the echo for the most part. Bear with me in certain areas, but it was still a really fun episode. Uh, the rest of this month's schedule, this, this month of December, looks like this. Later this week, we're going to have a two-episode week again. Uh, it's Johnny Tsunami with my buddy Will DeFreeze, co-host of the Circling Back podcast. And on Monday the 23rd, since it's Christmas week, not going to drop anything new, but I am going to re-upload episode one. Way back, uh, almost a year ago now, Remember the Titans with my buddy J.R. Hickey, who is the host of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. He's doing a great job with that podcast. Um, just going to look in the Wayback Machine for that one. I you know, can see how the podcast has changed in facets other than the original name. So um, if you haven't listened to any of the older episodes, they are all you know pretty evergreen, but this is a chance to listen to the oldest of the old. Um, and then our last episode of the year is going to be Monday, December 30th. It's High School Musical with Mike Schubert. He's the host of the Potterless Podcast. Mike is awesome. Um, we've already recorded the episode. It was excellent. I'm really looking forward to dropping it. Uh, you will know exactly when those episodes drop, as long as you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you're following on social media, that's Twitter at Big underscore Screen Sport and Instagram at Big Screen Sports Pod. If you are enjoying DCOM December, if you're enjoying this podcast in general, uh, and you haven't yet, please tap the five-star rating button on Apple Podcasts. And if you so desire, leave a review. Let me know how we're doing, um, what movies you want covered in 2019. We've kind of gotten January, I think, close to covered, but there's 11 more months in the year. Let me know what you think. Uh, what what have I not done that is an absolute must-cover next year? Um, you know, love reading those reviews. I will read all new reviews. Uh, you know, when, when I when I get them on each episode. So uh, yeah, please do that. And with that, let's get to Luck of the Irish with Whitney McIntosh. 
Okay, I am joined today for another episode of DCOM December. She's an editor at MLB.com, Whitney McIntosh. Whitney, thank you so much for joining me today to, to uh, talk about Luck of the Irish. Absolutely. I'm so happy to join now that uh, Disney Plus has allowed us to rewatch these old old classics, uh, quote-unquote yeah, classics. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a, uh, yeah, it was, it was very fortunate. I had actually thought about DCOM December before even thinking about Disney Plus, so very uh fortuitous timing to to find all these lovely movies at uh at at the same time but before we get into luck of the irish uh tell the folks where they can follow you on twitter what you have coming up for mlb.com anything you want to plug absolutely so most of the stuff i do i put on twitter so you can follow me there at uh, whitney m02 uh pretty easy and obviously it's the off season of baseball right now but we're doing great work over there uh if you want to follow us for any hot stove free agency um got lots of good writing and reporting going on there um but yeah i also do tv writing and movie writing and some pop culture stuff so and uh you know other sports writing so in and around but it'll be on on my twitter account uh wherever i have stuff out there well that makes you a perfect guest for a uh, sports and pop culture podcast and it was from your twitter account that i saw that you were a fan of luck of the irish which is the movie that we are covering today. Luck of the Irish is a 2001 decom basketball movie. A teenager must battle for a gold charm to keep his family from being controlled by an evil leprechaun. I can barely read that without laughing. Uh, it starred Ryan Merriman, Henry Gibson, and Alexis Lopez. Whitney, for you, before we get into it, what makes a good decom sports movie, which I think they're on a different tier than your normal run-of-the-mill sports movie? I think so, because... You know, the the Disney Channel original movie, sports movies are obviously always teens, but the competition usually, at least, never seems to be, it's never super straightforward. So, like this movie, they win the state championship, but it's because they were actually secretly battling a leprechaun who was masking himself as a teenager in this scene. Like, things like that where, you know, we were talking before the recording started, Brink, that competition is not just, we want to win a thing, you know, Alley Cat Strike is like to save the bowling alley. It's always a little bit higher stakes or weirder stakes or not so straightforward. So I think that's such a hallmark of it where it's not just, we're getting a team together to win the thing. Uh, it's always a little bit more than that, uh, weird or not. Yeah, there's always some some more backstory just than the score. But how big a DCOM fan are you? Have you seen them all, seen a few? seen just one was your was your childhood full of decom movies yeah i think definitely i was a decom person probably until i'm trying to think of when the end of my era would have been probably around like the cadet kelly years so um you know that's kind of when i aged out of them so i was definitely around for brink and smart house and all the ryan merriman ones and the Halloween Town ones and things like that. Um, so, which is kind of, to me at least, like the heart of them, like kind of the renaissance of DCOMs because they were getting people like, you know, um, just huge stars in some of them. Um, and, and then I don't really know what they're doing now. But yeah, for probably a solid, you know, six, seven years, the, the DCOM, I was, I was all in. I watched mostly all of them. So then let's, let's go right to that since you're, uh, you're about as close to a DCOM expert then. Uh, is Ryan Merriman or Eric Von Detten the king of DCOM? Merriman has this movie, has Luck of the Irish and Smart House. Von Detten has Brink and Christmas Every Day, which was an early DCOM. Um, kind of slept on. I always enjoyed it. In, in your opinion, is it Merriman or Von Detten? I think it's Merriman for me. I like to think of the Merriman trilogy, which is, like you said, Luck of the Irish, Smart House, and then the 13th year. Um, which is kind of like the... Okay, that one I missed. I, I did not. I don't think I saw that one. That's one of the weirder ones because he's a mermaid. Um, but um, and it's kind wow, of he's had, really really diving into mystical creatures, right? I, actually, I'm just realizing now how similar the two stories are because that's kind of like you were adopted and when you turn 13, you find out you are a mermaid. I think is the general outline. Um, so he definitely has the weirder, I think, more of the kind of crazy decom storylines that he sells really well and. Von Detten kind of does only have Brink as the one people know. So I think Merriman has, that's kind of, that was kind of his niche for a while. Um, and then Von Detten kind of graduated right away to like Princess Diaries and being in those kind of teen movies for, for a little bit. Um, 
So I don't think he was as entrenched in DCOM as as Ryan Merriman really was at the same time. Yeah, and he's really good in this movie. Uh, he's not overly cheesy or corny, kind of like what you see in a lot of the, the DCOM movies. So for you, is Luck of the Irish a Hall of Fame, All-Star, Starter, or Benchwarmer DCOM movie? I would say All-Star, possible Hall of Fame. I think it's definitely on that tier where you know it really holds up well. The cast is pretty good all around. There's no one that's really like you said, super cheesy or super um, awkward to watch or trying to sell things too much or just an outright bad actor. Everyone kind of does a good job. They have a, enough veterans in this movie. Um, so I think that really helps it. And also the story is just weird enough, but it is also still straightforward. And they have a lot of fun with the humor, which again is super helpful when the humor is not cringeworthy. Um, I, think, I think it's pretty good. I think it's up there for sure. What about you? Yeah, I mean, watching it as an adult, I think it's, in terms of encompassing all the other DCOM sports movies, I think I have to say it's a Hall of Fame, just because it it holds up, it is not a, a brutal watch for an adult, and it's actually pretty entertaining, it will make you laugh at multiple points, it's not overly cheesy and corny, which is, when you, you look back at Brink, which was, especially like memories from childhood, like, oh yeah, Brink is awesome, it kind of has an age well in the terms of like being it's kind of a tough watch as an adult this one isn't it was it was actually a really enjoyable sit down so in terms of decom movies i'd have to say especially decom sports movies i'd have to say it's a uh, it's a hall of famer yeah and also it it takes some really big swings like the a lot of you know when the mom is being really irish and like having a peat fire and cooking fish like those are really big kind of comedy swings that could be not funny jokes that they really sell. It's just like this lady is really committing to a Disney Channel movie that probably took them like two weeks to film. Like this, you know. Yeah, they go all in on Irish stereotypes. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they. But she's really like going for it. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. She's got the full the full accent. I mean, they go. She she turns into like the full blown Irish maid stereotype like right away with what she's cooking, what she's wearing, how she's talking. Uh, her father name being Riley O'Reilly is kind of is hilarious, and he owns a potato factory and makes his own shoes. Uh, Seamus and his squad are throwing corned beef and cabbage out the window. They just they really go for it with the Irish stereotypes. Yeah, and also I you definitely get the feeling with Timothy Omenson. Um, and I don't know the, the the actress that plays the mother as well, but you definitely get the feeling that she is like some theater actress or, you know, again, like a journeyman actress who's just like, yeah, I'm all in. Like, I'm sure. Like, I'm going to have fun on set today. We're going to have – we're it's going to be an awesome time. Like, like, if I'm doing a Disney Channel movie, like, I'm flexing my acting skills <laughs> – a lot. Um, yeah, there's nothing subtle about the performances. No. And Henry Gibson and Omenson are doing the same thing, but she's really just, like, enjoying herself, which is always fun. Again, from an adult perspective, kids don't really notice that as much, but parents have to watch this with their kids, and people watch it after a time, so, um, so that's funny as well, where it's just quite obvious that they're having as much fun as, as the people in the story themselves. Absolutely. Henry Gibson's so good in this movie, which we'll talk about. Um, There's only really two notable parts of trivia. On its premiere, it was the highest rated Disney Channel original movie ever. It airs Disney Channel every day, every St. Patrick's Day. And then actor Henry Gibson, who plays uh, Riley O'Reilly, famously played a leprechaun in an episode of Bewitched some 30 odd years prior. I I did not watch Bewitched. My fiance loves Bewitched, but... I, I found that interesting. Henry Gibson has a has a long storied career. Yes, he is he is truly a um uh just a, one of those guys that even if you don't know who he is, uh that you know you've seen him around, um, things like that. Like you're just like, Oh yeah, that guy, he's been acting since the sixties, you know? Um, for sure. Yeah, I mean pretty soon after this movie he becomes the the priest who doesn't talk and Wedding Crashers, and then earlier, like 15 years before this movie came out, actually a movie we covered a couple weeks ago with Craig Calcaterra, Long Gone. He's he's in that movie as well. He pops up. He's really good. So ha- a lot of Henry Gibson talk in the last month. Uh, let's get into best scene. I'm going to list the list mine, 
and uh, you let me know if I missed any of them. We'll you know pick a best one. The uh, the dinner, the opening dinner conversation about heritage when Kyle's parents are being very cagey. Uh, the carnival, tons of forced Irish accents. The first time you see the Celtic dancing, hear the Celtic music. Kyle gets his coin swiped. Uh, the unluckiest day of his life montage, which is, I mean, as someone who went to middle school, would probably be a bottom five day ever. Uh, the heritage is explained when his mom goes full leprechaun, and they're kind of just like, "Yeah, you're, you know, you're leprechaun." He he has to come to grips with that. Uh, Bonnie giving the quintessential "We're American" speech. That scene, uh, Seamus and Kyle's co- competition mo- montage, which is the the Talatian games, which is something I am certain I'm mispronouncing. They're they're doing all those traditional uh games that were uh, funeral games associated with the semi-legendary history of pre-christian ireland the final basketball game versus seamus and co and then kyle's irish dancing heading into the song this land before we talk about the scenes though you told me you had a background in irish dancing can you grade kyle's dancing so actually so yeah so briefly i danced from when i was like five years old until uh like middle of high school competitively and then I kind of did some things in college but so I danced for quite quite some time um and then um so I do know kind of the dances they were doing and especially like the Gaelic festival that they were at um you know his little rip off of Lord of the Dance which is hilarious things like that um Kyle's Irish dancing actually was pretty good because that's definitely the level you could probably get to in a few days. Um, Like if someone was teaching you, you could probably pull that off. Maybe it would be a little bit worse, but you can tell Ryan Merriman actually learned it and tried. And it's not like great form or anything. It's not super complicated, but like he commits to it and it's pretty good. And it, it convincingly what a high schooler might learn in a week or something. Um, as far as being able to do it. So that was, I was pretty impressed with that, especially as it fit into the movie as a whole. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. That's about what he would do um, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting that it's pretty authentic and that he didn't go full pro, like learn, get like uh, really up to speed on it, but also wasn't, wasn't awful. That's kind of interesting. Uh, did I miss any of your favorite scenes when I was listing those out? Let me think. I don't think you did. I think those were about all of, the ones that uh that I would have said I think probably my favorite one would be the when they when the mom is like little and they finally say you're Irish you're a leprechaun or um maybe oh maybe like the potato factory scene where they're oh that was a good one the chase the chase I, that's a fun one because that's very tween movie crashing golf carts and running away from guards I feel like that's a um almost a Disney Channel kind of cliche, even the, even the shows where, you know, you're dr- like running away from security guards or pe- members of authority and kind of getting one up on them and things like that. And that's a very good Henry Gibson twinkle in his eye scene too. Um, so yeah, I would say, I would say one of those. Cause again, it's, they're kind of cute and sweet. The one when the mom admits she's a leprechaun and that they, they keep saying da, you know, <laughs> keep slipping into the, the kind of, Irish accents is pretty funny. I love that they keep that up for the whole movie. That's really that's a really funny running bit. I'm gonna go with the the unluckiest day of his life. He he seems to lose a lot of money uh, between falling down the drain and then he, he loses lunch money. He spills just about everything on his clothes. His very his seemingly pungent uh, Irish lunch all over himself. So uh, I, I thought that was a, that was a fun one. And then that kind of rolls into the, the basketball game where he's absolutely terrible, which we will, I'm sure talk about here soon. Um, and before we get into most authentic and least authentic parts of the movie, Whitney, I think you have something to atone for. Yeah. So I just looked it up because I was curious uh, whether luck of the Irish was Ryan Merriman's final decom movie or whether 13th year was after that. And, uh, my teenage brain has completely added Ryan Merriman to a movie that he was never in. Uh, 13th Year is not a Ryan Merriman movie. It is a, a Chez Starbuck movie. That's a real name. Uh, what a name. Oh, my God. Truly, I mean, I'm happy I made the mistake, almost, because what a name. 
I'm I'm happy that I know this name exists as a, a guy out there. Um, but apologies to Ches Starbuck. I have completely just erased him from this movie and pictured Ryan Merriman doing all the scenes of that movie. I know. So, uh, my decom journalistic integrity is, uh, is diminishing, but Ches Starbuck, the, the reign of Ches Starbuck, uh, could, could be coming back around because truly the name deserves it. <laughs> if Ches Starbuck is out there listening, I would love to talk to him. And I, I just want to know what it's like to go through life with the name Ches Starbuck. I feel it has to be sweet. Like what a what a name. How did he not have a better career with that name? But um anyways, let's get into the the most authentic part of this movie. With DCOM sometimes it's hard to pick out something. This podcast tries to focus on the sports stuff. Sometimes that's hard to pick out. Did you have just anything in general that was was really authentic and realistic about this movie? Well, you just mentioned the scene where he's actually bad at basketball which I thought they actually, you know, did a pretty good job of. Obviously, it's supposed to be funny, but I think the basketball scenes as a whole are about as authentic as a DCOM movie gets. Um, They're pretty good at setting up the scene and the plays and having them look like actual, you know, ninth grade basketball players or however old they're kind of supposed to be. Um, I also thought the dancing was okay. The one thing, you know, we talked about Kevin's dancing at the end with that looked um, authentic for what level he would be at um but the dancing at the i thought the gaelic festival the celtic festival as a whole was actually pretty authentic with like the you know uh bags of potato chips and things you could buy and weird old irish guys showing you their shoes like probably like i made them myself like that's pretty authentic (laughs) but i was laughing because obviously the dancers on the stage with timothy elmanson's like weird Lord of the Lord of the Dance silk shirt situation. Um, obviously those dancers are, were pretty clearly real Irish dancers that they brought in from what, whatever school, whatever dance school is close by and they were doing a good job, but the dances that they were having them do were also very simplistic. So they looked good, but you'd have to imagine if they brought them in from somewhere, they could have done something more complicated, pretty fine. And then they also cut to Timothy Omenson's feet, where they do that thing, the movie trick, where they show you only their feet, so it's clearly a stand-in. But then the stand-in also was very simplistic. So that was interesting to me, where they really kind of could have gone for it even more, even though it looked authentic and, and fine. They could have almost gone for it and done something, like, really impressive and had him be, like, amazing at the dance. And he was kind of just, they were all fine. They all looked okay. You know, so that was interesting, because if you're going to do the movie trick, they had an opening to really really, you know, bust it open and have a great time with it. You're the perfect guest for this movie because anything about that dancing would have just flown completely over my head. So I I try on this podcast to get experts and somehow I found an expert for luck of the Irish. What are the chances? (laughs) There you go. You lucked into it. I did. I did. Um, The most authentic thing for me, the most realistic thing was Russell wanting to impress his dad by performing well in sports. I think any child has been there, like wanting to make your parents proud. And same with Russell's dad in the stands suddenly being like, oh, that's my son. That's my son. That's a very common sports trope, but it's very realistic. That's a thing that happens. And I also thought they did a good job with that where it wasn't, he wasn't supposed to be a mean dad. He just wanted his son to do well. And the son just genuinely wanted to impress his dad. It wasn't, um... It wasn't this weird thing where he's like, I better impress my dad or he'll be so, you know, disappointed in me because I couldn't, I couldn't be good in basketball. Um, and off also that obviously the, the father was played by a former NBA player, Thurl Bailey, uh, former jazz and wolves player. Wait, was that NC state? That was Thurl Bailey. Yes. I I kept looking at the dad and I was like, who is that? That's someone. And then I forgot to Google. Oh my God. That was, that was cardiac pack thorough. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. This movie's definitely a hall of fame movie then. Yeah. That bumps it up. There's no, there's no debating. I forgot about, I forgot that they pulled in thorough Bailey. How do you think he got involved in this? Here's a fun, like thought exercise because I mean, he's pretty good. Again, he's kind of very heartfelt. He's so sincere, especially at the end when he stands up and sings and has a good time. Like, Does someone on the set know Thurl Bailey? Were they just a huge, you know, college basketball fan? How how did this happen? 
So they did film a lot of the movie in Utah. So maybe he was still there hanging around. I don't know. I don't think he was still in the NBA. I don't think he was still in the NBA because this is 2001. But he could have been, I think I think he still is. And I don't know when he started this, but was doing um, some broadcasting in Utah. So maybe it was that or maybe he they just knew he was a Utah guy and called him in and thought it would be fun or, or something like that. That that makes a lot of sense for sure. So when I rewatched this movie, after I turned it off, I turned the TV on and I started watching the the Survive and Advance 30 for 30, which I now realize is a very weird coincidence. I watched two Thurl Bailey projects back to back. That's that's a, a perfect double bill. How you know, that's a should program that at a theater. The Thurl Bailey special. I mean, two two underdog stories in whatever Kyle's high school was and the NC the 83 NC State Wolfpack. God, I am so that just I'm so happy that that was Thurl Bailey. I don't know. Um Whitney, what was the least authentic thing in this movie for you? The least authentic to me I think, you know, we kind of talked about this, but like probably literally every other Irish thing, like, you know, the games exist, but that's not how they're play. Not, not not that it's not how you play them, but that would be like not the setting. Um, Like they're like celebratory or like group games. So this weird, like cultish medieval uh, transference to these, this game area was very weird. Um, Again, but they have fun with it. It's not it's, a, it's not a bad inauthenticity. It's just like that's not how any of this works. <laughs> yeah, I uh I I was obviously not an expert on all that stuff, but yeah, it seemed a little a little phony. The least realistic thing I have is that like so I have a 6-year-old, I have some experience in in parenting and stuff and you have this really important gold coin that it is it is the most valuable thing on the planet. Your family's luck hinges upon it. You will literally turn into a leprechaun without this coin. And you entrust it, one, with your child, which they explain that the youngest one has to wear it. But it's just on this big string, and it's hanging outside his shirt the whole time. There's That's like if I sent my child to school with my debit card like hanging on a rubber band. There... It, just so unrealistic that any parent worth their salt would have found a better way to secure that coin to that child to where it could not have been stolen like that. So that was that was almost offensive to me how unrealistic that was. If that was my child's responsibility, they would be getting it like implanted into their hand or something like at like birth. Just like congratulations. Our family's luck is like on you forever. I don't like there's no other way to do this. That's kind of an important thing to keep track of. Or maybe they could have even been a little bit more urgent in telling him how important it actually was <laughs> instead of just like, ah, yes, a lucky coin. You should wear it as a necklace. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and don't don't hang it outside your shirt either because, like, gold in general is a valuable thing that that can attract the attention of of those with, with bad intentions. And... Yeah, it, it, they were very cavalier with this all-powerful coin. Very tough, tough to see. And also just with the heritage in general that I think the most, actually one of the most inauthentic scenes would be when they're, they are around the dinner table at the beginning and they just won't answer any of his questions about where he came from. It's like, you're going to give your kid a complex, even if the thing didn't get stolen and he found out. He's going to be worried about what his parents are hiding from him. And why they're acting weird, you know, it was shot very creepily as well for effect, but the um, the whole vibe of that, like, well, we're, we're from Cleveland. It's like, well, he found two minutes later that your yearbook name changed. That's a very uncomfortable thing for a, you know, high school or junior high kid. <laughs> That's not how you do that. Yeah. Also, if you've gone into a self-imposed witness protection, get rid of the yearbook that has your old name. They... <laughs> They went they went about that a really weird way. Also, is he the least curious kid ever? He's never asked anything about his parents or his grandparents or anything. It's like he's just now starting this because of this this big heritage day they're doing at school. Right. Oh, actually, you know, my my friend at school made a good point that uh, I don't know anything about my family. It's like, yeah, you would be curious way younger than that when you figured out how other people have two sets of grandparents and two sides of their family, you would ask probably. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a weird one as well. Yeah, dude, you're like 14 years old. Take some interest in something outside basketball. Do you not have to make but, a family uh, tree in third grade? This is like, 
you know. Yeah, just very he very uncurious kid until until the Heritage Festival comes along. But uh, let's get into what worked about this movie because I feel like especially for a decom movie, it was a lot. There's a lot of good things about this movie. What what appealed to you about this one? Again, I think the acting really hangs together. The story is fun. Um, that as they slowly all turn into leprechauns, you know, Henry Gibson getting the big beard, they the accents start getting thicker. I I really liked those parts of it because again decoms are all about just everyone's having fun at the end of it you know it's entertaining it's kind of winking at some points but it's just supposed to be like a fun little adventure that then gets wrapped up at the end perfectly and everyone's happy and i just think they really they hit that very well um they didn't really you know they didn't try they didn't go over the top but they set some high bars for themselves the jokes were good everything kind of fits really well there was no part where it was just gosh, I'm so bored, or this this really is just not working at all, or these actors were worse than I thought they were. They, it, I was surprised by really how kind of all cylinders a decom this was. Yeah, you're right about that, and then it's all about kind of having fun and, and getting a little bit into the ridiculous, but it's still working, which is why I didn't put this question into what didn't work, but I just have to, I have a lot of questions about what, he was like before he lost his gold coin on the basketball court because they make it seem as though like he misses that first free throw and everyone's like oh my god like he just missed a free throw like is has he just been shooting a hundred percent and like can he not miss why is there this perception that he's nothing but lucky i'm is he just throwing up like steph curry warm-up shots in every game and they kind of bounce twice on the rim and and go in he even says quote i was only good because i was lucky i just i don't understand how that works there has to be some semblance of he's got to realize like if he's just like his teammates are throwing up shots with good form and he's just doing behind the back hook shots and they're going in something's amiss i think that goes across the whole movie too because one question i had was why is this if that's if that's the threshold that you're saying which i agree like is he just the luckiest person always that he literally can't do anything wrong why is this family just not humongously rich why is this family not living in like a malibu beach house because they can never never choose wrong lottery numbers or they always their bets always win at on sports betting or whatever i feel like they would not be living in a two like a split level utah home they would be really living it up and uh, getting a safe for that that gold or something to put in at night, you know? Um, that was also for me. It's like, if their luck is this good, it seems like they should be even luckier as a, as a family and as a, you know, parents growing up. Like, wouldn't that, why did he have to change his name? Wouldn't luck cover the fact that he couldn't, they couldn't be found because they're so lucky that no one could ever find them? Things like that. It was just like, huh, how does that, how far does this go? Also, his dad's from Cleveland, and it's kind of fair to assume, might be fair to assume that they've carried some Cleveland sports fanhood. And why why didn't that translate to, like, the Indians or the Browns or the, the Cavs at that time? I mean, they're just rooting for the most unlucky sports franchises in the world. It's just like, what is the extent of the luck? I just have a lot of – I would like to really, you know – get in depth with that with someone who uh who, who's a luck expert i'm just very curious about the powers of that coin definitely the thing the movie spends the least amount of time establishing um while still kind of having you assume that he's just like getting every girl and doing everything he wants in life without ever hitting a speed bump um yeah definitely definitely a weird weird thing to think about um which the movie definitely was just like yeah, uh, don't worry about it. He's lucky and then he's not. <laughs> yeah, you know, and but actually, you know where he's really lucky? The movie doesn't touch on it, on how lucky he is. But when he's searching for his heritage, he goes on a school computer and just types in the word Johnson and doesn't come up with any unproblematic searches, which extremely lucky on a school computer that uh, that, that didn't take him very, very south very, very quickly. Um, but other than the whole question of luck... Uh, you're right. There's just a lot of lot of stuff about this movie that's just enjoyable. It's a very easy watch. Uh, Seamus and his crew seem like a great hang. They seem like a really good time. Like I, that, whatever restaurant they were eating at, I would have liked to have been at that table. The whole singing scene when they were just having a ball and singing their songs and being friends. It doesn't seem like there's any 
you know, strife in that group. And obviously they got a, a whole cache of gold, so they're they're sitting pretty. They don't really have a ton of reasons to be upset. But Seamus's, you know, leadership seems pretty solid for what they've got going. Everyone seems to like each other. They have an RV. That seems great. Just hang out. Yeah, yeah just a bunch of pals partying around the nation, just Celtic dancing and and having fun and eating at what seemed like it, it seemed like every Italian restaurant local Italian restaurant I've ever been to with those red checkered tablecloths, but it was, uh, it was very enjoyable. Uh, very enjoyable to watch that, that crew hang out. I have another question. Why did Seamus let him wear the coin during the competition for the games he's never played? Yeah, that seemed like an oversight. I mean, you know, the movie definitely had to have him do that so that at the end he could say no luck and take it off dramatically. Um, and say, you know, we're not, we'll be even or, or whatever um but yeah that was a weird one seeing as that's literally the only thing that makes him good at anything he's ever done in his entire life so it would be a, it should have been a pretty pretty easy win without that coin around his neck uh the other thing i thought was um the slave bet was a little dark for a yeah it was that that took that that took this movie from zero to 60 really quick it, it really it really bumped the odds up yeah, it's like follow-up bet uh i'll be your slave forever it's like whoa 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 okay so uh we're playing for a little bit more than we were just now Th this basketball game has a lot a lot riding on it it's actually funny it kind of has the same uh the same stakes as the game in space jam and just like space jam there's kind of a mike's mike secret stuff moment when russell gets his riley o'reilly gives russell the coin and then uh and then suddenly he's a he's a great basketball player to please his dad the thorough bailey uh and he also dunks for the first time in game like so all he needed was a little inspiration little little imagination that he was had a secret coin to to dunk in game pretty Pretty impressive performance by Russell. Yeah, I like to think he got a growth spurt uh, pretty shortly after that, because they're supposed to be, what, like, 14? Uh, so I, I like to think he got his final growth spurt of, like, 10 more inches after that, and, uh, like, two feet, and all of a sudden just became an amazing basketball player and ended up, like, on an 07 Duke team or whatever. Uh, just, like, an incredible uh, turn, turn for that guy, because also, I don't think... Correct me if I'm wrong, but they never told him that it wasn't luck. No, I think he's still. Yeah, I think he's still going on being like, I got a, I got a secret coin too. Yeah, he's been on a speaking tour for like four years now, post NBA career of just really uh, committing to the fact that he he also has luck. It's I think that's a nice thing to think about him and Thurl Bailey just riding off into the sunset, being incredibly tall father son uh, basketball team. Because uh, they tell the audience, but they don't tell Russell <laughs> that, just kidding, that wasn't actually luck. Sorry about that. There's a really good sequel out there somewhere of this movie, like Luck of the Wolf Pack, where it's just Thurl Bailey and his son Russell. Just, <laughs> I don't know, some, something like that. I would, you'd love to see it. Um, did you have anything else about this movie that, that really worked? That really worked. Let's see. I don't know. No, I think, again, I think the most of it did work. Um, I didn't, I don't think this didn't work. But the heritage stuff was kind of weird. Do you agree? Like, just as far as like, oh, we're having a heritage yeah, day at school. Old. Don't ask questions. Yeah, well, and also the just the concept of the heritage. She's like, what are you doing? Bonnie's always, Bonnie's like in his ass about what are you going to do for the heritage? Is every single kid having to get up on stage and do something with their hair? Like, that's not a small school. That wasn't a tiny little private school of 27 kids. Like, are you just sitting in that auditorium? with parents and all for hours on end while each kid does something to honor their heritage. Yeah, even if this is only for, you know, the freshman class or something, that's like 200 kids easy with that size school. That was a big school. They were packing the bleachers for basketball games. That or auditorium is massive. This is not just a, like you said, like, oh, 10 people get selected and you have to do it or something. So that was a weird setup. But even just when they were like, everyone comes from somewhere, it's like, and and they did they did acknowledge you know native heritages with her uh, background as well, but it was a little weird where she was like peer pressuring him him into being from somewhere instead of just saying that's fine if you don't know like what if he was adopted and didn't know where he came from uh, that got like a little it was just like a little weird they really forced the issue on that one of like heritage is important. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I will say the the theme behind the movie and the theme behind all that, like it was very, 
pro-immigration, pro-American melting pot, we're all the dif- different but same. Like, that was very, that's a very good theme, especially in these days where there's half the country is not all about that theme. But, yeah, it was very, very forced. Bonnie was very much on his shit, the whole movie about that. So, um, kind of strange. Before we get into what didn't work, uh, obviously with these decom movies, a lot of them late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of uh, a lot of wild fits, a lot of hairstyles, a lot of choices. Um, I've got a couple of nominees for the wildest fit or hairstyle, and then if I miss something, you have to let me know. Uh, Kyle, just the spiked hair. I think that is very early two thousands. Uh, shouts to one of my yearbook pictures. I think like fifth grade. I had the same thing. The baggy ass basketball jerseys, like falling off these kids. Like they look like they were for players that were fifty pounds heavier. Uh, Kyle's small bucket hat. He looked like the jackass guy from Happy Gilmore when he's covering his, uh, his red hair and his pointed ears. And then Riley O'Reilly's beard. Incredible look. I would say also, I would add into that the, uh, the Timothy Owens and the Seamus's silk shirt. Uh, even though it was doing the job it set out to do, I would also nominate that for, uh, just a, a bright, an emerald green silk shirt, wearing it proudly. Um, so that's, that's the only other one I could think to add. Um, the bucket hat was a rough look. It really was. It was. Uh, he looked like a. Uh, he looked. He looked like a lost camp counselor. Yeah, he looked like a, a small uh, middle European tourist asking where like the West Coast was. Like it just very. It was rough. It, like does does no one in that family own a, a baseball hat? You know, just like a normal snapback. Anything? No. Uh, you know, this kid's a teenager. That's the only hat you have. Yeah, you're in Utah, it's basketball season, it's probably kind of cold outside, throw on a beanie, my guy. Like, that'd be a much better look. For sure. It, yeah, anything. And that would have still been a 2001 look, too. That wouldn't have been too out of out of sorts. We're not asking them to, you know, look like it's 2019. But uh, but yeah, that was, that was not flattering. Um, and then probably the silk shirt. The silk shirt made me laugh. Again, it was doing its job. It's not far off from what you know, Lord of the Dance, uh, Michael Flatley has worn on stage. He's gone way further than that. But in, in the context of this movie, I did laugh at uh, Timothy Owens and having to really sell that uh, as as an entertainment outfit and really, uh, really get into it. The silk shirt is a, just a hell of a look. Um, let's roll into what didn't work. And with with this, we've already touched on some stuff. And with DCOM, it's not trying to be the most serious movie in the world. So you don't want to rag on it too much. But uh, the first basketball play we see when he goes into out of bounds, and it's like the play when a guy will flip it from going out of bounds to his teammate, except he flips it all the way into the hoop, which is all-time most ridiculous basketball shot ever put on film. Uh, I think that, for me, is like the biggest thing of, okay, that there could have been something else to signify how lucky he is other than that shot. Yeah, I think I agree. Out of everything, because again, the actual basketball games looked pretty good. The, you know, even when things got silly, it all it all kind of settled in okay. That was the big one, especially I think having it right off the bat. Um, that was a rough, uh, a rough trying to sell that for sure. Um, as far as that would never happen, even if you were the luckiest person in the world. There was something they could have done where he was amazingly lucky without it being uh like an impossible like that like physically that's not possible. He would have to have the strongest sh- shoulder strength and pecs in the entire world uh, to make that happen. And he probably still would have broken something uh, as he landed. So that was, I, I definitely agree. That was a, a hilarious one to watch because you think about how every, everything that would have had to happen in real life for that to happen. And it wouldn't, it, it just couldn't, couldn't be. Tough look to start out the movie. What else did you have that just, that kind of stood out as not working for you in this one? There's not a whole lot. It's more just so, some, some questionable stuff. I almost want to say, the entire like the entire character of Bonnie. Okay, per- I I'm glad that you I'm glad that you are uh, are touching on this. My fiance watched the movie with me, and like most of the time, she's like, "Bonnie sucks." Yeah, she's just. I mean, listen, every high school has one of those people who's like, "I'm in charge." I'm on, and they kind of they're pretty good with the jokes. They're like, "Aren't you Aren't you in charge of everything? Aren't you on every committee?" And like, that's pretty accurate to high school. Every high school has that type of go getter who are usually like pretty normal people. They just do a ton. I know I did a ton of committees in high school, um, but she got like very stereotypical when she was showing up at basketball practice and was just like, 
see, not everything's easy. It's like, all right, Bonnie, like, can we get her a coffee or like a, a massage? I don't know. I'm worried about, and, and as we're talking about, you know, Thurl Bailey was not disappointed in his son for not being great at basketball, but her dad seemed pretty harsh. That whole family situation, kind of worried about, especially when everyone else in the movie was having a, a great time. Bonnie, whew, that she's going for like a, a, a you know, college ulcer at Yale. She's going to really have, have a tough time having a social life at some point. Yeah, she's going to need to, when she gets to college, she's going to really need to unwind. And it sounds like she's got strict parents, so it could be that situation of she tastes freedom for the first time, and that first semester she is like a, a tornado of of too much freedom. Oh, yeah, it's definitely either or. She either has a panic attack halfway through her freshman year and needs to, like, take a rest and is put on forced, like, please don't do any extracurriculars, or... She has a great time and like studies abroad half of college and just still gets good grades and realizes, but like realizes what she was missing. It's, there's no in between of that. Um, but yeah, just overall very concerned for, for Bonnie and how, uh, how seriously she was taking Heritage Day. Yeah, she's a tough, tough hang. I have a question about the, the test is another display of luck from Kyle when he just randomly, you know, bubbles in the answers and then suddenly they're all right. The teacher says he he subtracts for wrong answers. I'm it's been a while since I've been in school. I'm confused. I, I don't I don't get like so if you get it right you get some points but if you get it wrong you get fewer than 0 points. I'm just I'm I'm confused. That's not how tests were when I was in school. I definitely had teachers who did this and if I remember correctly it's because this is what the SATs do. Oh, God, I, oh, I think that's, that's bad PTSD. I forgot about the SATs. Yeah, I think, so a lot of teachers started doing this because it's like, if you get it, if you don't know it, they would say it's better not to guess because then you could, ju- you could just guess the whole test and try to figure, and try to do it that way. So I definitely had teachers who did this, especially I feel like math teachers did this a lot um, as far as like show your work if you don't know it you know, you can guess one that's close, but if you're not even close, you're going to get points off probably. So you should be smart. It's like another layer of strategy and it sucked and I hated it. And no teacher, teacher should do this. Let kids guess if they want to guess. They're not going to get an A. It's fine. We've all had to put C down on 10 straight questions. Like I, but I guess we can slide this one into the, the what did work. That was realistic. I have a few things about just the state of their their basketball season there's there were just some some things that didn't add up if he was the re- he says in the beginning of the movie he's the reason they're having such a good season um somehow and they're having a middle school a junior high state championship that wasn't a thing where i'm from but whatever uh how did they win the state semifinal game if your star player goes to hell you're not gonna win and then the whole school after that game is basically just like fuck you man you stink like it was, it was a very, it was like a viper pit once he had a bad game. Yeah, that was a rough look for for all of the teenage girls in this school. We're just like, we're gonna go hang out with this guy who got a thirty five point game when you sucked. Uh, just really turning on a dime there. Uh, you know, Russell stands by him, but uh, to be fair, Russell has a background in what's go- actually going on here. He gets a little bit more information, but yeah, rough, rough school. Uh, you know, reaction there where it's like you still won the game it's fine. You know, like, it's not like they lost the game and we're out of the tournament. Uh, so in, in, you know, the grand scheme of things, it was kind of a good outcome. It's okay. Someone else can be good, I guess. That was a weird one. I I would almost also say, I just thought of this, uh, the way they set up, you know, the Gaelic festival where they're like, they seat on the, the park bed, the bus bench and they go. And there's like these little moments in the Gaelic festival where it, it seems like, the movie is trying to say this is like a traveling Gaelic festival, like it's the circus, but it happens to have a, you know, I guess objectively famous step dancer type guy who is known nationally because Russell like knew the poster. So it's like, what what level is this random festival that just goes around as if it's Barnum and Bailey's instead of being like, oh, this local festival that happens every year that we go to or something like that. Uh, or that I'm not allowed to go to. That was a weird, it's like, what what universe is this where this is like the, you know, the, the little kid circus or whatever uh, that just happens out of the blue? 
Yeah, the Gaelic festival hasn't really rolled through my hometown lately, so I, I get where you're coming from there. That's a little, uh, little bizarre, a little off the wall. I have one more thing about the basketball, the final game. Uh, that hard-ass coach just lets them join up. It's clearly an overtime because he's like, we're not going into double overtime. And he's just like, they show up out of nowhere, and he's like, all right, you're both in. You're both playing. You both just completely missed the whole game but you're you're both playing. That coach has like he has big divorced dad energy. He's got the slick back hair. He's got the goatee, the button down and slacks for a middle school game. But he's just like, no, you guys are good. You missed the whole game. But hey, get on in there. We're not going to go into double OT. We've only been playing here for two hours already. And also, you could even make that. You could say, ah, well, you know, what's the coach going to do? His best player just showed up. He's got to put this kid in in this situation. But like Russell, as we've established, not good. Probably shouldn't have been subbed in right then. Doesn't seem like he's really a starter, first string kind of guy. Um, so that was a weird one. Uh, but also, why couldn't they have just transported everyone back at the beginning of the game? Yeah, I don't get that either. It was very, like, why why throw it directly to overtime? Just a, just a bizarre setup for the uh, for the final game. And you go from the the ancient kind of Irish games right to basket. It was just just a crazy, crazy setup for that. Um, let's roll into to best and worst on-screen athlete. In a DCOM movie, there, there's not really, there's not, I only, I have something for worst. Uh, Seamus looked like a guy who never dunked before. Uh, when, he, when he dunked, it looked like he was up there on the rim for the first time, like hadn't even played trampoline basketball or anything. Very awkward dunk form. He was not Vince Carter. No, not at all. Uh, that was a rough one. Yeah, I had, I kind of had Russell down there too, only because again in the movie he's not supposed to be good, so it worked. But that some of his play was a little, especially when he had a lot of confidence. There were some weird plays in there. But yeah, I would say Sheamus and his crew. Again, they're not supposed to be basketball players, so it kind of works. But uh, yeah, they did not look natural or comfortable on the court at all. I can imagine Timothy Amundsen was just like, "Oh, you had me Irish dance, and I also have to play basketball in this movie." What? What's happening? You know, what did a I say? Real sign up? Swiss Army knife in that movie, doing a, doing a lot with a little. Double my per diem, please. Like this is, yeah. <laughs> he was really, really being asked a lot of. But he again, he does it gamely, even if it uh, didn't look great at, at the end there. Yeah, it's not the. I think the worst basketball action ever put on film is from Teen Wolf, and this is better than that. So I, I think that I think that's a win. I think it's a win for a decom basketball movie. Uh, let's go to the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. This movie is really buoyed by supporting characters. Um, there's Henry Gibson as Riley O'Reilly, who has he has all those like fun quotes, soft as a spring shower and tough as a landlord's heart. And then he uh, doing something. He's like, I'm Irish. That's how I manifest despair. Uh, which is he he was funny. Hen- Henry Gibson is just a precious gem. Uh, Glendon Chapman is Russell Halloway. Just, he makes a great Rodman reference and he's just a good hype man. And as we know, he's the, the son of Thurl Bailey, which I just cannot get over. Um, Tim, Timothy, Timothy Umminson as a uh, Seamus, Paul Kiernan as Bob Johnson, who's main his, uh, Kyle's dad, who's from Cleveland, Marita Garrity as Kate O'Reilly. Uh, Kyle's mom, Charles Halford as McDermott. He is in uh, Seamus's crew, and I only put him in because he plays Reggie Ledoux in season one of True Detective, which is one of my all-time favorite TV seasons. So, uh, so I had to put him in. Did I miss anyone, or did you had a favorite for best supporting character? I don't think you missed anyone. I, I think I got. I think we kind of have to go with Henry Gibson because really, just one hundred percent batting a thousand here. He had no bad scene. This is a guy who was way late in his career you know an older actor and again just really committing having a great time he could have treated like this like a paycheck and henry gibson really came out swinging here and was just ready to go as a weird old potato factory owner uh again how rich is this guy supposed to be potato factory founder just opening factories in utah and random places um you know like local see he did it right with the luck he, yeah. he did the luck thing right. Kyle's parents did not. They, yeah, they got to imagine bigger. But yeah, I think Henry Gibson, again, the little Irish sayings, which are actually pretty close to what like an old Irish guy would, you know, be given to you. Just, you're just like, wait, what are you saying to me, guy? Like this. OK, sure. What a saying. Uh, uh, yeah, I think he really he had fun. He was great. I, I, I'm giving it to him for sure. 
I think the NBA would be better if every game they had Henry Gibson as Riley O'Reilly sitting on one of the backboards just spitting out Irish sayings mid-game. I would, uh, you know, the the NBA is doing really well right now, very popular, but if they're ever looking to improve it. I don't even know if Henry Gibson is still with us. I I hope he is, but I'm not going to make any promises there. I'll probably look that up after the episode. Uh, Let's go to the big cheese. Normally, every good sports movie has a big chill moment, moment that stands up on the back. It makes the, you know, the hair on the back of your neck stand up. This is DCOM, more just cheesy moments. I've really only got two. There wasn't a ton here. Uh, when him and Bonnie are talking in the car after it was raining, and he said, Bonnie, you being here, Kyle says, Bonnie, you being here makes me think I haven't lost all my luck. One, super cheesy line. Two, she has been a dick to you for the whole movie. You you have lost your luck. You're, you're still with someone who is a tough she hang. She barely no, no. believed him the entire time. Yeah, she she made things worse for him, honestly. Uh, and then at the end, everyone's singing This Land is My Land, but also, like, it's weirdly nice to see in this day and age, like, everyone coming together and being and, and singing that song because there's not a lot of unity in the country at, at certain times. But also, that was corny as hell. Oh, yeah. Did I miss anything? I would also add them, you know, you referenced it before, but the whole RV chase scene where they're, like, throwing corned beef and cabbage out and they're weaving around, like... Any chase with an RV involved, that just was so funny to me. Um, again, everyone's just so committed, but uh, that was that was like old-timey slapstick chase scene and uh, just so, so cheesy with the stuff going out the window and the, you know, Seamus like cackling like he, he's a cartoon bandit. Uh, that was a good one, too. You get the awesome green screen kind of thing when they hang out the door of the RV and are throwing stuff out and it's the clear green screen scenery in the background it's a that is a really good one that was that was that decom budget working for him uh whitney finishing up how would you improve this movie if at all Hmm. again we've really touched on this it really it it came together well they did a lot it was funny all this stuff uh i have one thing that would just improve this movie so much just it, it would go right to an a plus for me completely nothing they could do no wrong uh if they took the breakdancing scene out, please, God, I never want to see Ryan Merriman breakdance ever again. That was so weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no more of that. That was the only true improvement I could have made. Just absolutely shut it down. Can't, no, no, stop. Whoever made my, Ryan Merriman do that, please apologize to him today, 18 years later. I think they could have made Bonnie a better hang. And then knowing what I know now, I just, I could have used more Thurl Bailey. The man has the most beautiful voice. He's just so calm. And so like, it it really, really kind of underutilized Thurl Bailey. I'm, I'm so upset that I didn't realize that was him. And he seemed game. It didn't seem like a cameo. He was in like four or five scenes kind of throughout. I bet they could have gotten him to do a, maybe he could have been the coach. Maybe that he would have been English. such a good coach. Just make him replace suburban divorced dad who d- isn't getting his kids this weekend with Thurl Bailey. Then it works that Russell is trying to impress his dad way more. Uh, and we just get more Thurl Bailey and his beautiful baritone. That's all we need in the world is yeah. more Thurl. I think that's the main takeaway from this episode. Whitney, thank you so much for joining me talking about Luck of the Irish. Uh, tell the listeners again where they can follow you and find your work. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Twitter is WhitneyM02. Um, any bylines go there. You can kind of see my previous work as well. Uh, and uh, I, I'm now the uh, founder of the Thurl Bailey fan club. So if anyone wants to join, uh, just reach out. We really got the Thurl Bailey uh, the train going again. This is this is 2020. Let's go. Let's bring Thurl back. You can hashtag uh, Thurl Fan Club on that one. Uh, (laughs) Really looking forward to seeing that get going. As always, if you enjoyed Big Screen Sports, subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. Uh, We're right in the middle of DCOM December. Coming out later this week, probably going to drop this on Thursday or Friday. We're going to have Johnny Tsunami with my buddy Will DeFreeze. And then we're going to wrap up the month with High School Musical with my buddy Mike Schubert. Uh, Until then, you can catch us next episode. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.